Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Abandoning Average podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend today, Melinda Fuller, and she is the author of the book Obedience Over Hustle. If you haven't heard of it before, I definitely encourage you to go check it out. It is so good. And we're going to be chatting a little bit about that today and also Melinda's life and some things like just tips for you to be able to just focus on obedience in your own life rather than hustle and workaholism. (laughs) So it's going to be a really great episode. So stick around and I am so excited for you guys. There's a lot of self-doubt. Why? then you're like, oh, well, because just because I'm afraid of it. There's also this norm of, well, why are you doing something different? I don't want you to be. I don't want to be normal or average. Fear of rejection, fear of anything is normal. It's what you do with it. By choosing to do something different, you are setting yourself apart. We have to choose to let go of those things so that we can pursue our biggest dreams. I work as if it's to the glory of God, not the glory of a dollar. Fundamentally, being different, doing something different isn't bad because God has given us purpose and that's what matters. I'm your host, Amanda Boardwine, and welcome to the Journey to Abandoning Average. So go ahead and introduce a little bit about yourself and just tell us about you. I am a mom to two kids, Lydia and Madeline. They are almost eight and 10, which is just crazy to think that I have kids that are that old already. Um, And I'm a homeschooling mom. So this is year five for us of homeschooling. And I started um, five years ago saying, I do not want to do this. So I'll try it for one year. And now I'm one of those die hard homeschoolers. For real. Moms. I love it. <laughs> Probably because I had a very bad experience myself as a homeschooled child for only half a year. And I said I'd never do that to my kids. Really? And so, um, yeah, it's just, I feel like the Lord was chuckling at me when I told him I didn't want to do this. And so now just I'm. Wait. A- <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a huge fan. I've spoke at homeschool events and, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but it's definitely for us in the season of life that we're in. And I can't imagine not our, our family not being together as much as they are. It's just, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to jump yeah. in more about like your season of life right now later. Um, but that yeah. is awesome. And I think it fits really well with what you're doing right now. <laughs> um, uh-huh. so I wanted to ask you, so you talk a lot about the conference that you went to back in 2015 and how that was a really pivotal point in your life. So I wanted you to like kind of unpack like where, what was going on before then? What was your work life like, um, family life? Like what was going on before you went to this conference? Yeah. So back in 2015, I was working at a chiropractic office. I was a massage therapist and I had done, um, therapy work for a long time. That was my career. Um, My husband was working for a very large church, so that meant we were very involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two small children, and I had also just started blogging and really wanted to spend more time writing, and I'd taken kind of a hiatus when my kids were born from the creative part of my life Mm -hmm. and um, really wanted to break out and do more writing, more speaking and more ministry. And 
just felt like I couldn't do all of that very, very well. And I felt very exhausted. Um, so I had gone to the conference and I had actually gone and given God an ultimatum because what I wanted him to do was supplement my income from home so that I could be at home. We had just started homeschooling and I could not have to give up my income and not have to give up my dream of writing and be able to basically do all of the things. And God did not do that for me. He basically challenged me and asked me who my provider was. And having grown up in the church, my knee-jerk response was, well, God, of course you're my provider. And he's like, okay, great. So then let me be your provider and stop trying to accomplish that on your own. And so I quit my day job without any safety net financially. And I'm not really sure how that was all going to work out. Um, and I never did get a stay-at-home job. Um, to this day, I have never had a job that supplemented my income. But what did happen is my husband's side business kind of took off without us spending any money on marketing. And a whole bunch of writing opportunities opened up for me as I spent time honing my skills and my craft and investing in writing classes and things like that. Um, the fruit that I'm seeing now in my kids and my family is a direct result of choosing to be home with them. And I think I just had to learn, you know, the lesson of saying no to a lot of things because I knew which things I had already said yes to. And, um, and that was the book too. Like the book really came out of a lot of those feelings in that season of life. Not necessarily because I wanted to write a book about it, but because I just couldn't get away from this idea that God isn't asking us to do all the things. He's asking yeah. us usually to just do a few things and to do those few things really, really well. And I think it's the verse, you know, seek first like him and his kingdom and then everything else will come as a result. And so when we actually do that, the fruit is really beautiful. Oh, I love that. I, I was listening to what you were talking about and you said at one point that you never really wanted to actually write a book. Where, where did yeah. that come from? How did that start? Yeah. So actually, so I grew up, my mom owned a bookstore as a kid. So I grew up around books my whole life and really fell in love with writing uh, like in third grade. And so I always knew that I wanted to write a book mm -hmm. or books. Uh, I always, the goal was always to be an author, but this particular book what didn't start out as a book proposal. It was mm -hmm. a result of a lot of conversations that I was having with other writers about the idea of feeling like I have to hustle in order to get my words to be heard mm -hmm. or read. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine and we were just talking about this idea of obedience over hustle, like listening to what the Lord is asking us to do instead of hustling like the world tells us we have to do. And the idea that if I have good words, isn't that enough? If I'm, you know, being faithful to share them with the audience that I've been given, whether that's 20 or 2000 or 2 million, like God's going to give me the people that he wants me to serve. And she said, I think this is going to be a book for you. And I'm like, 
No. What do of I, course not. What do, I, what do I know about writing a book and, you know, all of the same excuses that people from the beginning of time have given God? You know, mm-hmm. I don't have enough experience. I'm too small. I don't have enough platform. I don't have a journalism degree. There are so many more people that are better suited or more qualified to do this. And I think getting over all those insecurities and really listening and leaning into what God is asking me to do, that was maybe the greater triumph for me than actually writing the words and Mm -hmm. doing the work of getting the words out was just overcoming my own excuses and insecurities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it never started out as, I'm going to write a book about obedience. Because that's probably <laughs> not the topic that I would choose. Yeah, yeah no, no. no. <laughs> let's, let's find something that's much more easily marketable because yeah. a book about obedience definitely is not so. And several people were so kind as to tell me that too. You know, you'll never be able to sell it. Nobody's ever going to buy a book about obedience. And yeah, here we are. This book, I had heard somebody talking about it and I was like, okay, I'll pick that up, you know, one day kind of thing. And (laughs) I went to Barnes Noble and I had this big long list of books that I was going to look for and none of them were there. And like a lot of them were kind of like popular quote unquote books or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yours was there. (laughs) And that's how I ended up reading. It was literally the only one. on my big long list. And I know that sounds like kind of sad that like I had this big long list, but still like God was telling me to read this book. I'm positive. And yeah. So as you said, like it was hard to market it and all of those things, but it's getting out there. Like God's making sure it gets out there. It needs to be heard. The next thing I want to ask you, you're talking a lot about um, hustle and that kind of thing. And in the times that I've talked to other people, not just about this book. I mean, this is, this is a great way to be able to share with people in kind of like a concise way about Mm -hmm. this, but even just in conversations and everything, I think a lot of times people have a struggle with, um, the idea of like work ethic and like, if I'm not hustling, then I'm not working hard and I value having a good work ethic. So what are your thoughts on that? And what do you kind of like come to with that? Yeah, that is the number one question that Christians ask me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What am I supposed to do? Like, I'm supposed to work hard. (laughs) Doesn't want me to. Doesn't God want me to work hard? And absolutely. And I actually spent a lot of time kind of addressing that idea Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. comparing and contrasting the idea between having a good work ethic, which you know all throughout Scripture we see that that's something that God wants for us, and the idea of workaholism, which is what we parallel to hustle in the book, this idea. So workaholism is achieving a goal with a cost, like at a price. And I think that's what happens is we go from having a really great idea, dream, goal, purpose, call it whatever you want. And we start sacrificing other things in order to achieve that goal. And most often what happens is we sacrifice our families and, and, or the people that are closest to us. Um, Nobody on their deathbed ever wishes that they had worked harder or spent more time in the office. It's almost always, I wish I could go back and do more with my family or spend more time with the people that I love. And so I think that's, the greatest differentiation between working hard and hustling. Um, And 
even if all of those relationships are healthy and thriving, then there are a couple other telltale signs that you've kind of crossed that line. One is you're not sleeping well. And I know for a fact, for me, that's like a telltale sign that there's something that's off in my life. There's too much anxiety if I'm not sleeping well at night. And I just, I think there's a lot of anxiety, depression, mental illness, like all of those things that people are talking about a lot nowadays and in our culture in, in, in the West anyway. And I think so much of it is this, I have to keep up. I have to do this thing. I feel like if I'm not doing all of this stuff, then I don't have significance. I'm not, I'm not doing enough. Um, somebody's going to be mad at me. I'm going to regret it. If our relationships are off, if our physical or mental health is off and we're not sleeping well, I think those are really good indicators that, you know, we just need to check what we're doing. You know, John Chris would say, check your heart, you know, what, (laughs) what is, what is going on? Like, why do you feel like you have to do all of these things? Why do you feel like you have to say yes? Because Anytime that we're saying yes to something, we're saying no to something else and vice versa. And we don't like to disappoint people. We're very much a culture where we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to say no. Um, And we feel like we have to justify all of our no's. And especially as Christians, like let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And if I'm saying no to something, then I have a reason. And usually it's because I've said yes to something else. So um, it's definitely not a new problem, you know, this, this hustling heart, this, and really that, that's in the book, we talk a lot about it being heart motive. Like it is not just a job performance. It is not just a career issue. I have so many stay at home, full-time mom friends who have just as big an issue with a, their heart that is constantly striving for the next thing or to be better, or to accomplish something, or get my checklist done, or, and if they're not doing those things, then they're just crumbling under self-guilt mm-hmm. for not doing enough, not being enough, not having enough, not whatever, fill in the blank. So um, it's definitely not a new issue, and it's definitely not only related to our career, professional calling, or ministry, or whatever. It's, right. it's in everything. Yeah. And I like what you said earlier about one of the telltale signs that you can see is like not only not sleeping well, but when you start sacrificing your friends, I think added to that too, or friends or family. um, Yeah. I think adding to that too, like one of, one of the other ones is you're spending less time with the Lord. And if you're acting in obedience with the Lord, then you would be spending more time with him. So that's like clear right there. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because our time with the Lord is usually the first thing to go. Yep. Like, yeah. oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, oh, I'll listen to a podcast on my way to work. Surely I that will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah. 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 I love and, that. And really, that's relationship. Like, if, you know, if we believe that our time with the Lord is investing in a relationship, then, like, you're right. That is, like, the first sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Added to that, this podcast, we talk a lot about stewardship and taking care of um, what God has given us. And so I wanted to kind of expound on that because I think that that's a big message. Even if you don't use the word stewardship a lot, I think that that is like at the core of what you talk about is 
yeah. um, you know, just managing what God has given us, <laughs> managing that totally. and, and acting in obedience to that. So are there ways that you kind of, um, think that you could better, like people could better steward the actual like obedience to what God has given? I think a lot of it is like what we just talked about. Like what are, what are your yeses? Because we all have the same amount of time in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of us have the same types of resources available to us. And so I know for me, um, my husband is very good at helping me remember, like you put that on yourself, like, Mm -hmm. because I, I'm one on the Enneagram. And so I have very, very high expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't like to, admit when I've taken on too much. Um, and so he's really good at helping me remember like that expectation that you have for the day or this project or this thing that you're working so hard, like you have placed that on you. Like if you don't get this thing done by the end of the day, like who, who's really going to care? Like what is it really going to matter in the big scheme of your life? Like stewarding our time well is something that we are very bad at. And I think looking at our cell phone um, usage is like one of the biggest indicators of terrifying. Where, <laughs> right. Like, oh, really? How how busy were you today? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like you were able to be on whatever social media is your mm-hmm. platform for an hour today, yet you weren't able to, you know, spend quality time with your kids, get your workout and get your time with the Lord and whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that is that you're struggling um, you know, the addiction to our phones is problematic. And I love when I've taken kind of a intentional or not sabbatical from being on social media or just being on my phone. And I come back and I realize, oh, the world is still spinning and nobody really missed me. And it's just, it's really good for my <laughs> yep. heart to, re- to recognize that every once in a while. And not only did nobody miss me, but I didn't really miss anything either. Because usually that means that I've been more intentional with the face-to-face, the people right in front of me. So the stewardship, I think it helps if you have people in your life who are actually holding you accountable to the goals that you have. Um, whether that's a spouse or a friend or a roommate or a parent or just somebody who is regularly checking in with you and saying, like, how are you stewarding what you've been given? Especially, and the number one thing being your time. And then the other thing is your finances. Like if you look at somebody's calendar and you look at somebody's bank account, it's a pretty good indicator of what the most important things are. You know to where the is. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think those are two of the really big areas. And we need people in our life who are willing to hold us accountable for those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you can break that down anymore, but I'd love to know, like specifically with, you were talking about having accountability and tracking your social media and those kind of things. Are there like specific, like every day I do this or something like that in terms of guardrails for keeping those kind of things in order. And I know that that mm-hmm. might differ between people, but I was just wondering yeah. what you do. I, yeah. I think that is a case by case because a lot of people are making their money online. So right. to not jump online every day is going to be more problematic for people. Mm-hmm. Like my husband, at least 50% of his business comes from his Instagram account, which he's mm-hmm. actually terrible at managing, but I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> that's taking care of our family. So I'm not going to be mad if you're on social right. media. 
like simple things like not sleeping with your phone next to your bed so that it's not the temptation to grab it first thing in the morning and check it or doing things like, okay, I'm not going to get online until I have had a glass of water, spent some time with the Lord or done my workout or made my kids breakfast or whatever those things are. Like having those clearly defined um, plans or rules or I don't like the word rules, but guidelines. I think that's really helpful. One other thing is something our family has tried really hard in the last couple years, especially in the last six months or so to do is Sabbath. Hmm. And it's a topic that I have really started to research and kind of dive into and read a lot about. And it's one of kind of my favorite topics right now, this age old idea that actually predates the 10 commandments goes all the way back to the garden and it's God not necessarily modeling for us because I don't think he needs a day off, but showing us how important it is to him to take a day off. And so for us, for our family, what that means is we work really hard the day leading up to whatever day it is that we're Sabbathing because that fluctuates. Mm -hmm. Um, So that like I'm not cooking on the Sabbath and Mm -hmm. I'm not doing dishes and I'm not doing laundry and we are not running errands or doing house projects or honeydew things. We're not doing chores. Um, We are not working. So that includes me pulling out my laptop or my husband pulling out his and doing like our business work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not doing creative work either. Like we are very intentional about on that day, we're doing things that fuel us like spiritually, emotionally, physically. So I make dinners the day before or a couple days leading up to, or we get takeout or we like, it's a, yeah. So it's, it's more work on the back end so that we take as much time as we can on our Sabbath to just relax. Yeah. So what is, what is a day like that look like? Um, I mean, I, we'll do like chunks of time or something like that, but we never like cook days and days before or like a couple days or the day before or something like that. So what is, what does that look like for you guys? So I'm going to give you what it would have looked like when we were stationary in a house. Right. I do want to unpack that too. (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're on the go a lot right now. Um, So it would be the day before I would make dinner, something that will just go into the oven or we can warm up really quickly um, we do all the grocery shopping ahead of time so that we are not having to go out and like be in a crowd of people and wait in a checkout line or whatever. So we do all of that ahead of time. We do mm-hmm. all the cleaning in the house ahead of time and we let the dishes pile up. Mm-hmm. Um, like church, we'll go to a service, but we don't feel obligated to go out to eat with people afterwards. We are very choosy about if we spend time with anybody outside of our family, it's people that we don't feel obligated to be with, people that are actually going to fuel us and make us um, and fill us up. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't sit in front of the TV all day because for a lot of people, it's like, oh, Sabbath, that just means that I just get to, you know, Netflix binge for eight hours. And the idea of Sabbath is connection with the Lord. And then connection with other people. It's all about relationship. And so, um, you know, we're, and and I know some people like take this to the extreme. So they 
they don't look at magazines because they don't want to be tempted by ads to purchase because they don't do any purchasing at all on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, like we might pick like a family movie, we might go for a walk, but it's not going to be anything strenuous. This isn't a day for our family to go out and do a 10 mile hike. Be sore um, after. <laughs> we try not to get up. Right. Um, if so, we try and get a nap in because my kids are old enough now that I can go lay down in the afternoon mm. and take a nap. Or it's the day that we get up late, we have a big breakfast, and then I go crawl back into bed with a cup of coffee and a book. And I just feel really fine with reading a fiction book. Um, so I try not to read anything like that's too heady. But mm -hmm. I read like something that's fun and light, or I flip through a magazine. And we if we're not able to get to church, then we're going to watch a service online or stream something um, and listen to some worship music and just be together as a family. Maybe it's doing something creative. My husband will catch up on like YouTube videos that he loves to watch without me. My kids get to just sit and like play Legos for hours and um, we try to get outside. Um, That's so fun. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Yeah. And yeah, we let the dishes pile up and we'll take care of them the next day. We try and be off of our phones as much as possible. We have no problem scanning phone calls unless you're related to us. Probably you won't be able to get a hold of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just a day to shut down. And obviously that looks a little bit different for, oh, for sure. our, our current yeah. situation. But, so talk about that. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> So what so, are you doing and what's been going on lately yeah. and why? So our family is living a nomadic life. That's what we tell people. Mm -hmm. um, in August, we sold our home in Northern California and like almost everything we own. Like we have no furniture left. We sold in our August car. August this year? In August, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we have a small storage unit with about 15 totes in it up in the Northwest that's mostly photo albums and like heirloom type mm -hmm. stuff. But otherwise we sold everything. And then wow. we bought a 42 foot fifth wheel trailer and a truck. And we have been on the road for a little over two months now. So we're two months in, we've tracked uh, 9,000 miles at this point, And we've been oh through 10 I love states. Uh-huh. And during that time, <laughs> my book came out. Oh my, my word. Was working. I had no idea. <laughs> we started homeschooling. Yeah. So it's been a little crazy. Just a little. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> just a few things going on. So I was at some conferences this fall. I flew up to Canada to do, to do a TV interview. My husband's been working like crazy and we've just been driving and working and schooling and visiting friends and it's been fun. It's an adventure. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so I don't think I heard it unless I missed it, but I hope I didn't. Um, did you share why you, you started to do this? Like what was the reasoning behind oh, it? Yeah. So my husband's, we legitimized my husband's side business and decided that he was going to be fully self-employed at the mm -hmm. beginning of this year. And we were, where we were living in Northern California, all of his clients we're not there. And so, yeah, we're a fairly adventurous family already. Like my husband and I have only not been to two states, Alaska and South That's Dakota. Awesome. Otherwise we've seen everything else. And my kids have probably already been to a dozen states before we started this adventure. So I'm so happy about that. Like, that just yeah. makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, six hours in the car is no big deal to my kids. They've traveled a lot in their life already. 
I work from home. He works from home. We already homeschooled. So we thought, why not? Like, it's kind of always been a dream to be able to do things like this with our kids. I feel like this is the best education that they're going to get. So my husband was away 150 days last year in the calendar um, year. And that's just not really sustainable for a family. And we didn't realize it was that much until we added it up for our accountant. And we're like, oh, you were gone almost half a year. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. So we're like, you know what? This way we're able to kind of follow him. And when he's gone for a couple of weeks at a time, at least he's coming home. Mm-hmm. to to be with us. We have friends. Uh, we have a lot of friends who travel and work and tour, and we've been able to see a lot of them. We've stopped in Boise, Idaho, Colorado Springs, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Dallas, and Phoenix, and been able to see old friends, make connections with our internet friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, that part's been really beautiful, just being able to see people and experience new things with our children and yeah that's awesome. so there's not like an end date we're just kind of going until I was gonna ask that next like (laughs) yeah yeah um we've we've done several really large moves like from Mm -hmm. one state to another or one end of one state to another in our lifetime and always felt a very confident yes Mm -hmm. and peace about, okay, this is where the Lord's moving us next. And did not feel that about right now. Like just didn't really hate my husband had a couple job offers and we're like, "Mm, not really feeling either one of those things. And so we're just kind of traveling until we feel like God says, okay, I'm planting you here next. So not really sure whether it's going to be and kind of excited about that. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. a perfect example of obedience. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it so much. I'm not telling everybody to do it. Just for the record, I have no. to say that. Like, just just saying, for you. All the qu- That's right. great. Yeah. Oh. Don't everybody go quit their day job and say, hey, Melissa, told me. <laughs> she did not tell you. <laughs> maybe, maybe it can be as simple as being nice to the elderly person who lives across the street and like being a good neighbor and being a light on your street or loving your husband well or your spouse well, even when they're not lovable or being very intentional and being home with your kids or whatever that is like being a good employee at a job that you necessarily aren't excited about. Like obedience daily to the Lord is going to look different for every person in every season of their life. And the closer we are with him, the easier it is to hear his voice when he kind of leans in and whispers and says, Hey, I want you to do this next. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Agreed. I love it. So I want to ask you as you're traveling around and everything, um, where can yeah. people find you um, yeah. if they wanted to connect with you or anything like that? As far as the writing and speaking stuff, I'm melindafuller.com or obedienceoverhustle.com mm-hmm. is where I'm at online. Um, on Instagram, I'm just melinda.fuller. And then our family, if you want to keep up with the travel part, we have an Instagram and a YouTube channel. It's called The Fuller Adventure. Um, and our family dubbed ourselves the Wolf Pack a couple years ago. And um, yeah, like we have t-shirts and we howl together oh and all these other <laughs> That's things. That's incredible. So our, yeah. So our trailer is called The Wolf Den. 
because um, that's where the wolf pack lives. And then we have a very large uh, white truck that pulls our beast of a trailer. And um, if you've seen the Disney Pixar movie, Big Hero 6, uh-huh. um, Baymax is the very large white robot who does not move fast. And so our truck has been dubbed Baymax because <laughs> when we are towing, oh we gosh. do not move fast. That's yes, my kids are very involved in all of these decisions. As you oh, can yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to be. <laughs> yep. That is great. Okay, so last yeah. question that I ask everybody on the podcast um, is, what does abandoning average mean to you? Well, we tell our kids all the time, normal is boring. Yes. Um, and I think that's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to be on an adventure with him. And I heard this great definition a couple years ago about the difference between a journey and an adventure. And a journey is one where you pull out a map and you have the destination and there's a route and there's a very clear like beginning and end where an adventure is, all right, I've got everything I need to go in my backpack and I'm just setting out. And there's not necessarily a destination because I think that's how the Lord wants us to live. Like he's not always going to give us what the future looks like in um, great detail. He's often just going to kind of push us in, in, in one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's up to us to kind of figure out what that looks like. So for me, that's what abandoning average looks like. It's doing what it is that I feel like God's asked me to do right now. And often that looks very little like what the world is going to tell us I have to do right now. I am, I am like the first person to butt up against the idea of, well, this is the way you have to do it. Like you have to go to college and you have to do this and, you know, your kids have to go to public school and therefore you have to go to 10 birthday parties every weekend. I don't do any of those things. Um, not because I'm um, an anarchist or anything, um, but I just, I have learned that the beautiful fruits and the reward of listening to the Lord and obeying what he's asking me to do right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's incredible. Hopefully that Thank answers so the question. Much. It definitely <laughs> does. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful. And thank you guys again so much for listening and for your support. I really, really do appreciate it. I hope that this episode was super helpful for you guys. Again, I am so grateful for Melinda and the things that she has done. If you have not checked out her book, please do. It is so incredible. Obedience Over Hustle. And we will have all of that linked for you in the show notes. And again, if you guys have not left a review, you can just hit pause really quick and leave a really quick review, just letting me know what you thought of the podcast. And I would appreciate it so much. Thank you guys again. And I hope that you have a great week. See you all next week.